God's good, isn't he? Acts chapter 3 tonight, and uh, we're going we're gonna to start in verse 9. And, uh, and uh, it says this, and, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with, filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened uh, unto him. And I, I read through that, but it just, my attention was drawn to the, to the fact that it says that they're filled with wonder and amazement, and I just asked myself, and I know the story, and, and what was it that, I mean, that just caused onlookers, that's quite a statement, isn't it, to be filled with wonder and amazement, and I'm going to give you the answer, and it's going to be the title tonight, and uh and uh, what caused them to be filled with wonder and amazement is this beggar, he got more than he bargained for. All right, so Father, again, we come to you in the name that is above every name. We pray and ask God that you'd uh, just uh, bless this Lord, bless this, the uh, service tonight as we gather together in your name with a desire to uh, honor you and to hear from you. And I pray, dear Lord, uh, Father, that uh, you'd minister to hearts according to the need uh, with this little outline that you gave me, I pray and ask, Father, you'd be pleased with everything that goes on here, and most of all, Lord, I pray for any soul in here that is not sure, based on the authority of the Word of God, that they'd, when they step out into eternity, that they'd step into your presence. God, I pray you'd save a soul tonight, if that's what's needed, and I just uh, try not to mess it up, Lord. And give you the glory for anything that goes right. Pray it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. A beggar that got more than he bargained for. Now we're going to go back to verse 1 there in uh, the chapter, in uh, Acts chapter 3. And uh, now here's what it says. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Amen. Uh, but noted, what I noted about that is that Peter and John, uh, they've known each other a long time. I mean, they were both fishermen. They were part of each part of a team, brother team. They were partners in the fishing business, according to Luke uh, chapter 5. Uh, they got called by the Lord Jesus Christ at the same time. Amen. Wait, said, follow me and I'll make thee fishers of men. They forsook all, amen, religion, family, even uh, their occupation. They just dropped it, and they followed Jesus Christ, and they walked with him. They were part of the inner circle, along with James. Uh, they were part of the inner circle that, I mean, they didn't just, uh, we're not just disciples of Christ. They walked close. And then the crucifixion came. And he warned people, he warned all these guys, and nobody believed it. And it was fulfilling of scripture, and Jesus Christ crucified, and then he rose from the dead. And I'm so glad he did. And the thing that, the thing that I want to point out is the word together. Peter and John, they've been through all this, and they're still together. Point number one, I'm going to call... The camaraderie of the saints. Camaraderie of the saints. I'm a, I, I, there's something in me that uh, is attracted severely to brotherhood. 
That book that I wrote, we called it Biking and Brotherhood. I got a letter from a police officer I witnessed to in, uh, in Sioux, Sioux City a month ago. Uh, I'm in a Harley shop walking around, and I give a track to, a, to one, two guys. And uh, the one guy wrote a letter to me, and he said I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. And the guy that was with me was a Green Beret. Now, these are retired guys. They're old, like, like your pastor. And, uh, <laughs> amen. Much younger than me, but, yeah. And uh, this guy took the time to write this letter, and here's what he said. He, he rides, they're bike riders, motorcycle, let's clear that up. Uh, uh, and they ride with a law enforcement firefighter type of club. And the guy goes on to say, what attracted me to the brotherhood of a motorcycle club, although it's much different than what you were involved in, is the brotherhood. Brotherhood is scriptural. Brotherhood was, was founded by Jesus Christ when he established the church. Amen. So when I see that word together, I, I relate to that. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And I guess the, the answer to that is probably not very far. Amen. We're talking about the camaraderie of the saints. Take your Bible, go over to, uh, well, we're going to be right there most of the time, so take out a David Spurgeon track and put it there for a book. Well, that's what I do, but. <laughs> and uh, go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And uh, look at verse 13. And Paul writes this to him. He says, till we all come in the unity of the faith, that's what I'm talking about. Unity of the faith. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We got a ways to go. Amen. We try. Some days are better than others, but truth of the matter is, even though this bond of fellowship that I'm talking about is scriptural indeed, and it is what God designed and God wanted for us, and Satan imitates in so many forms. This is for us. This is scriptural. But it is often disrupted by a number of things, and they're all attached to that old nature. Envy, strife, ambition, petty arguments, personality clashes. I can't, are you kidding me? With all that we've got going for us, Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect Bible, indwelled with his Holy Spirit that you couldn't run off if you want to. With all that supernatural stuff, if you, if you just get right down to it, be honest with yourself, you'd realize that we let some snickle-dime stuff cause division. And that leads to gossip, and, that, and social media has opened the door to a gossip festival. I'm talking about camaraderie. Brother, Paul referred to several guys, not too many, but he called them fellow soldiers. Uh, he tells all New Testament believers to be a good soldier. Anybody that's got any uh, time in the military knows that uh, you don't, division on a battlefield will get people killed. I know this, there's a lot of Christians in this age that really have zero clue about the spiritual battle. I'm serious. Amen? Many of them are nice people, but I'm telling you what, we're supposed to. 
And we want to be referred to as good soldiers. And we understand the word camaraderie and the importance of unity. And still, man, I'm going to tell you what. You let your guard down this far and that stinking flesh will grab the ball and run with it. Next thing you know, you're fretting and, and nickel-diming each other to death. And it's hurting the cause of Jesus Christ. I don't care at all about your feelings. I care about the cause of Jesus Christ. And why aren't you more concerned about the cause of Christ than what you think or the way it should be done? Why don't you figure out how to get on board and strive together? That's what camaraderie is. There's a verse over in Philippians chapter 1. Might as well go there. Just take a, take, Bill Grady would say, take a right from Ephesians. Go over to Philippians chapter 1 and it says this. Verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Uh, the gospel of Christ, uh, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye, watch what it says, that ye stand fast. That's a military term. That you stand fast in, with, in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're not supposed to be striving with each other. We're not supposed to be jockeying for position. We're not supposed to be finding flaws in our brothers to use to our advantage. That's how the lost world operates. And I'm sad to say I see it happening in the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm addressing it right now. Amen. We're not to be striving with each other. We're not to be striving against each other. I remember seeing a poster at, at, at one of the rooms in church when I first got saved. And, uh, and all this is new to me. And, uh, and it was like a kid thing. There's a cartoon of a mountain, a hill. And it's the enemy. And they got cannons pointing at the other hill. And the other, they got, the other hill is Christianity. So there's the devil's side and, and Christians, and the devil's shooting its cannons over at the hill where, but the Christians aren't shooting back at the devil. They're shooting back at their own foundation. And I thought, well, that's weird. <laughs> and that was 30 years ago. And we're some, we're our biggest enemy sometimes. Because we can't figure out how to get together, get it together. Listen, in a dog-eat-dog world, I don't know who came up with that, and I'm a dog lover. But boy, if that doesn't describe what's going on out there, and I'm not talking about politics and all that weird stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in a me-first world, and that's the battle cry of the flesh. Amen. I'm talking about... I'm talking about... uh, If you and I, in spite of our differences, and we're different, we're supposed to be different. Amen? Amen. Uh, If you and I can work together, strive together for the faith of the gospel of Christ, it'll beautify. It'll become it. It said becometh. That means to adorn or to make more beautiful. Amen? And uh, amen. Here's what here's I'll make that work. When that old stinking flesh rears its head, and you know, some of you been at this long enough, you ought to be able to recognize that guy. I recognize him. I don't say I can control him, 
as often as I'd like, but at least I can recognize them. <laughs> I ask God for help, and he helps. But here's what helps me. Because I got all, I got opinions, just like everybody else. I got my thoughts, uh, you shouldn't do this, you should do it that way. Here's what helps me. It ain't about me, and it ain't about you. It's about him. And so, does what you do become the gospel? In other words, adorn it, or does it tear it down, hinder it? I'm talking about camaraderie of the saints, beloved. We're in the most elite unit. I appreciate the Marine Corps, but that book says, uh, few there be to find it, straight as the gate and wide as... Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads unto life. Matthew 7, 14, a few there be to find it. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christian here, you made it into the most elite few there is. Amen. I mean, in the scope of human existence, I, I wake up sometimes and I can't believe I made it. Without going through Marine Corps boot camp. I probably couldn't have done it. I don't know. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. We got in on something. And uh, we need to get we need to get a hold of this thing, and that's something we got to fight about, fight against, not about all our life, because our flesh doesn't want it. Do, mine or yours just doesn't seem to want to play well with others. And look at all these kids. I remember when you guys were in the nursery, you girls too, and now look at them. And I'm going to tell you what that tells me. Boy, do we got a responsibility to set a good example for them. So they don't have to deal with everything that we deal with. And we could set a good example. I learned some of this stuff later on. Amen. And I'm thanking God I had good examples. But I was 40, not 4. Amen. The Bible says this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Somebody amen that or I'll start over. I promise. Amen. <laughs> uh, it's not only pleasant and good, it's a good testimony. Amen. So in this account of a beggar who got more than he bargained for, number one is the camaraderie of the saints. Moving on. That would be a good place maybe for an amen. <laughs> Fell for it. All right. All right. Number two. Look at verse two. And a certain uh, man... Lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Number two is, uh, is uh, the condition of this sinner. Now, first we had camaraderie of the saints. I know you're impressed because the, cause I, yeah. <laughs> this is condition of the sinner. Now let's look what it says. Uh, it said he was lame from his mother's womb. So he didn't like get dropped, you know, as a baby. He wasn't in a car wreck. He was born this way. He was born with this condition that he didn't have anything to do with. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you and I are born with a condition from birth. That book says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. Bible says this in Job 14, 1. It says, man that is born of a woman is a few days. Now, I'm not on the cutting edge of current events. But as far as I know, 
I mean, born of a woman is still where kids come from, right? I mean, they've been talking about test tube babies and, and zombies, you know. I don't know. I'm not on the, I don't know, but, but they, right? Uh, so then the rest of the verse holds true. Then a uh, 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 man, man that is born of a woman is a few days and what? Full of trouble. Amen. Condition of the sinner is he's got a problem he was born with, and the condition of this sinner is exactly the same. Bible says this, Psalm 58, verse 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. <laughs> they go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Now that applies to every child I've ever seen, except for my last granddaughter, Lillian. I don't, that can't apply to her. <laughs> but all your kids, it applies to. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to tell you something. Not only are they uh, from the womb speaking lies, uh, they start before that. What do you mean? All right, you ladies, how many ever heard of false labor? <laughs> now look, I'm ready. You liar, you're not ready. You go to the hospital, he's not ready. The kid's going, <laughs> just getting ready, just preparing for real life. Amen. Praise the Lord. This guy, the condition of the sinner was he was born that way. He's totally dependent upon others. The passage tells us that he had to be carried and laid daily. And that's a bad place to be, I would think, to be helpless, to be totally vulnerable. Amen? I mean, uh, I know it is for a man. A man doesn't want to feel that way. And I'm, I've been married forever now, and my wife ain't like that either. She ain't a whiner. She ain't a victim. And she don't want to feel helpless either. Amen. That probably goes for most of y'all. And, uh, and uh, this guy's got a problem. Now, he's born with a condition and he's dependent upon others. And uh, people didn't like that until something happened in our country uh, in the last, I don't know how many years. But now all of a sudden it's popular to become a victim. People didn't want to admit it. They had an issue. They wanted to overcome it. Amen. There's a saying when I was growing up called, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Well, it's hard to do when you're wearing sandals, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. Get some boots, for goodness sake. No. What I'm saying is uh, we're looking for excuses. I heard a, heard a no, I don't want to say it. Never mind. But we're looking for excuses to get pity, get sympathy. And, uh, well, you just stay dependent. If that really that doesn't make sense to me. I don't want to know. And maybe uh, chances are tonight here you're not a victim at all. And we got some men in this church I know a little bit. You're skilled and you're smart and resourceful and things like that. And take good care of your family and all that. But no matter how skilled you are, how resourceful you might have been, how smart you might have been, everybody's got a problem. They are totally dependent upon someone else to take care of. And just like this guy had to be laid, uh, carried and laid to the gate, we've got a sin problem that on our best day, let alone our regular day, we've got a sin problem you cannot work out. And we're totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. We have a debt we couldn't pay and uh, we're totally dependent. Amen. I'm glad he came to the rescue. Amen. Verse number three, it says this, who, who, now this is that beggar, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Amen. He's a beggar. He, uh, alms is anything given, given gratuitously 
uh, to the relief of the poor. That's what it means. It's a Bible word. Uh, my mom uh, taught me uh, as a kid, uh, David, beggars can't be choosers. Amen. I may have heard that. That's the way we were raised. Beggars can't be choosers. Amen. That is diametrically opposed to the mentality of today. I was in uh, Southern California, riding around with a pastor friend. We pulled in to fuel the, fuel the van, and, uh, and I see it. Now, the pastor's over there fueling, and I see over leaning against the little building. Uh, there's a guy there, and I, man, I spot, they spot me. I'm like magnetic. And here it comes, and I know he's going to come over and ask me for something. So I said, okay. And I took, uh, I took uh, like $3 out of my pocket, and I put it in a gospel track, and I'm ready for him. I'm waiting for him. And he comes over, and, uh, and he says, well, oh, Brother Spurgeon, I don't think you should ever do that. Well, you do what Lord leads you to do, and I'll do what Lord leads me to do. <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> he comes over, and I, he, he starts saying, so here's, some, here, Matt, here's something for you. And let me give you something to read. This will really be important. And he took that track, and he pulled out, and the only thing I could understand in English was three, I can't even say what he said. The rest was totally I couldn't understand, but he cussed me up one side, threw the track down, walked off, called me off, three dollars, you stingy, etc. Amen. And I'm going, what happened to beggars can't be choosers? <laughs> Amen. And uh, of course, I got out and got the track and put it back in my pocket. We'll save it for somebody else. But, uh, but, uh, Amen. Where's a panhandler in Florida? We're coming out of a Walmart years ago in Tallahassee, and and there's a guy sitting there on the corner, and he's he's sitting on a backpack, pretty nice back, looked able-bodied. I mean, can't tell, you know, how many quarts low he was, but he looked like. He's sitting there with a big old about a 50-pound dog and smoking a cigarette and uh, got a sign, a little cardboard sign, says, you know, something. And uh, I'm a compassionate man of God. <laughs> and I want to help him. And he was too far away to give a track to. And so I rolled down the window and I yelled over, he said, hey, man, you hungry? Yeah, man. I said, well, take your lighter, start a fire, Cook that dog. And that's... Yeah, I confess I did. That's how you get... That's how evangelists get illustrations. I mean, you got to do... I don't know if that was right, but... Well, what the... Why are you begging on a street corner? What do you think I'm going to buy you cigarettes and dog food? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And uh, we come off of a ramp somewhere on the Florida Turnpike one time, and there's a guy about 30 feet from the stop sign, and he's standing there, and there's like three cars lined up. I thought it was a Chick-fil-A or something. And, uh, and I'm thinking, I never... People are lined up to help this guy. And as we went around, cut around, me and the girls, I said, let's see what that sign says. One of the girls says, Dad, it says, I need a beer. And people were stopping him to get him beer money. It worked. Beggars, been around a long time. This guy is a beggar. Amen. You know, I will say this, though, according to the passage, some well-meaning, I assume, well-meaning people 
got him that far. Now he's on the steps of the temple. Amen? But he's still outside. He ain't getting no spiritual help. Today, we got people running to and fro, and they're picking people up, and they're bringing them into the church house and recording their numbers and bragging about it on their websites. But they're very careful about perhaps offending them with the gospel of Jesus Christ and telling them if they die without Christ, they'll go to hell. But they're getting them in and leaving them on the doorstep of heaven. Man, people go to hell from, the, from a church pew, same as a jailhouse, same as a bar room. Amen. So, number two is the condition of the sinner. But I want you to see in verse four the confidence that, that Peter and John had in their Savior. Verse number four says this, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. Can you visualize that? Now that's, some, that's a serious stare. I mean, it said he fastened his eyes upon him. Don't get carried away. That means he's intently. Look at him. Um, my wife, my wife, I watched her perfect a method. In this day and age where you can't even threaten to spank your kids publicly. No, nobody's getting off the hook. Publicly. Amen. You got to be careful. And uh, I mean, if you, if we get home, you're going to get three ways. Man, that, uh, uh, child services will be there when you get home. People get followed out to the, to the parking lot and her license number. My wife, she's wise. So she didn't do nothing. Um, she like one, two, three, all that. I've seen it all happen. Um, my wife developed something that the kids, they told me about this. I didn't know. Uh, she, she developed the death look. Yeah. <laughs> and she's German. And she's got it, boy. I mean, she's got a death look. And when she'd stare at him kids, she'd back them right off. Amen. And they would snap to attention. They knew. And she didn't have to say a word. Amen. <laughs> uh, once the kids got married one by one and moved out, grew up, she tried it on me. It is pretty scary, I will admit. <laughs> but that's what I thought about where it says that he fastened his eyes upon him. But this isn't the death look. This is the life. The life look. In verse 5 it says, And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Most people just walked by and ignored him. Amen. Then Peter said, verse 6, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And I know his heart sank when he heard silver and gold have I none. But he said this, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When Peter told him that, his confidence wasn't in his apostolic gift of healing which he still had at the time. Amen. His confidence was in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. He had, seen, he had seen the Lord say that to a couple of people before, and they got up and walked. So he said that. Amen. 
But the deal is, is Jesus Christ isn't there. He said in the name. But that's confidence there. Philippians 2 and verse 9, familiar verse says, Wherefore God hath, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Peter's confidence was well placed. That is one powerful name. That is the name our confidence is in. Acts chapter 12 says, I'm sorry, 4 and verse 12 says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Our confidence isn't in our church, it isn't in our a denomination or, or our camp, all that stuff. Amen? Our confidence is in Jesus Christ. That's the name we're gathered together in tonight. Matthew 18 says, uh, where, For where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. We don't have to beg Jesus Christ to show up at a church service. He's more interested in this than we are. He's not the one playing hard to get. You might be tonight, but he's not. Amen. He's very, he is so interested in making it clear to you that he doesn't want you to go to hell, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, that's you, friend, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's how interested God is in what we're doing here right now. Amen. And uh, so we don't have to beg him to show up. We need to try not to run him off. Say, what do you mean? I have seen the Spirit of God in a meeting, and then when the unholy Trinity showed up, God is a gentleman. An unholy Trinity is not the world, the flesh, and the devil. I mean, that is. And I'm not talking about the, uh, the Antichrist and the beast and the false prophet, and that is. I'm talking about the unholy uh, Trinity that gets overlooked way too often. And that's the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Amen. And we come to worship Jesus Christ, and we come to exalt him and honor him. And as soon as I've seen people stand up, well, I, 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 eh, eh, eh. <laughs> yeah. And the Lord is like, oh, you got this? See ya. Amen. I don't ever want that to happen in the service I'm in. So if you start doing it, I might walk you out. With permission of the pastor, I know my place. I'm learning. Amen. We're talking about a name that's above every name. I called on that name on November 30th, 1990 from a jail cell. I had no clue what I was getting into. And believe me, I never saw any of this coming. But it worked. Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He changed my heart. Amen. Amen. He didn't make a wimp out of me. He made a man out of me. Amen. And because it worked for me, I am confident that it will work for whosoever Amen. shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. So if you're in here tonight and you're not saved, be honest with yourself. You know, you, if you're not, you know you're not. God knows you're not. Amen. 
And uh, you call on that name and you can get that turned around. You can change that. We're talking about number three, confidence in the Savior. This ain't about religion. This ain't about turning over a new leaf. Not about going straight. It's not about none of that. It's about him. And he proved how much you mean to him by giving you the breath to sit in here right now. That's the truth, man. He don't owe us anything. All right. So, uh, what do we got? Camaraderie of the saints. Condition of the sinner. I'm getting old. What was the last one? Confidence in the Savior. How many of you think there's a remote possibility that this is only a three-point message? Raise your hand. <laughs> That's good. Because next, verse 7. <laughs> I would, but I don't have any poems. I never mastered the poem part. That's an old school thing. Verse 7, and it says, And he took him, that'd be Peter, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, that's the beggar, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up and stood, leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. You know what number four is? The celebration of the saved. This guy got it. Amen. And he is uh, uh, he's, uh, leaping, walking and leaping and praising God. It said he stood and walked. This guy was lame from his mother's womb. He ain't never stood before. He ain't never walked before. This is his first time. That'd be something, wouldn't it? Amen. I think it's significant where he walked. Now, I don't know if anybody would have blamed him if he had ran home and told his mama or something. I don't know. But you know what he did? He walked right into the temple. First thing this guy did, he knew, he knew what happened. He knew it was supernatural. He knew it was Jesus Christ. He'd been told that. These guys weren't vague. Amen? Come and join our church. Blech. And first thing he did was walk into the church house. You know, I got saved on a Friday in... Uh, I was in jail, and uh, the next day they were having a little church service, and uh, I had signed up for it. I, I got saved on Friday, and I said, told the jailer, I said, hey, man, put me on that list. And I went in, I went into the church, little thing down in the basement, and instead of sitting in the back and talking like I did before I got saved, I sat up, and we were at a table, you know, and I sat up there by the preacher. And uh, there was a pretty rough crowd in jail, and there was about eight guys sitting around the table, and this preacher was sitting in there, and uh, I'm sitting up there by him. I don't even know why I have been saved like one day. <laughs> and uh, there's a guy in there that, uh, that uh, kind of set him up with some questions and, uh, and then stood up and got real loud and banged his hand on the table and said, well, you're calling me, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting by the guy, and his legs are shaking. He's scared to death. This guy's a murderer. I mean, he's, that's what he's in for. And, uh, and I, this guy was on my range, and me and him had already had an understanding. <laughs> so he's threatening this preacher because, I mean, what are they going to do, put you in jail? I mean, that's what we did. Threaten anybody you want. And I'm sitting there. I've been saved one day, and I'm sitting there next to this preacher. And I said, I told the guy, I said, if you don't sit down and shut up, when we get back up to the range, I'm going to kick your blankety-blank from one end of that thing to the other. And he was probably the second toughest character on the range. But second ain't first. <laughs> 
and they looked at me and said, okay, cowboy, I don't want no problem. And he sat down. Now hear me. One day, I'm saying one day, I say, this Christian thing ain't so bad. I still get to fight. Get to defend a preacher. Fist fight. First day. <laughs> but I didn't. That first place I went when I got saved, this guy walked right into the church house with these guys. Amen. I heard a preacher say this. Uh, uh, if you... If what you got, he's talking about people that are saved. He's a pastor for 50 years over in Michigan. He said, if what you got when you got saved won't get you into church faithfully, he said, are you sure it'll get you into heaven? <laughs> That's a thought provoker. Yeah. I don't know. It was easy for me. Amen. Some people sure do struggle with being faithful. Amen. And uh, I had a guy tell me, I was check talking to a guy. He said, you don't have to go to church to be spiritual. And I said, well, I get it. I got saved in jail. But I said, every spiritual person I ever met was faithful to go to church when he could. Amen. Amen. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about losing your I'm just trying to encourage you. We got a model here of a guy that started his Christian life right. And some of you had every opportunity. And don't blow it. Amen. Keep it up. Amen. I talked to one guy, and uh, this is kind of common. Uh, I said, what happened to you, man? You was doing right for a long time, raised in church. And he said, you know... I got out of church. My problem started when I got out of church. Every backslider will tell you that. That gets out. Because then it's just the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, that book says in Proverbs 14, 14, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. It don't start when your pew's empty. It starts because your heart, amen, you're thinking more about you. Then you are him. That's where it starts. You better put that. You got to keep that flesh down. Say, how long? I don't know. I've only been saved 32 years. It's still a fight. I'll let you know. <laughs> when we get to the other side. Because that's when it's over. Amen. Amen. Bible said he was leaping and praising God. He'd have been hard not to notice. Here's what I don't, I, you guys haven't noticed this, or you're just used to me, but I, I'm a little loud sometimes. <laughs> and that's partly because I'm deaf, a lot, pretty deaf. And, uh, and I came from a real, you know, boisterous lifestyle type of thing. I'm not a shy guy. Amen. So I'll come into a church and I don't want attention. I'm not trying to get attention. It's just who I and I'll come into a church and, and, and if they don't know us, we'll sit somewhere and, uh, and uh, see it, whether it's a hymn. I love them hymns. There's more sound doctrine in that hymnal than there is coming across the pulpits in a lot of churches in America. I love them hymns, man. I'll listen to that, some of them hymns being sung and it'll speak to your heart and I'll say amen. People will jump. I mean, adults. Preacher will say something, song leader says, I'll say, Amen, brother. And they'll jump like that. And I'm thinking, Well, that's odd. I thought these guys were. And now they won't look at me. They won't turn around. 
they'll brace themselves. But these kids, they'll turn around and look, see who did it. And I go, it was me. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> Amen. These guys are, this guy is, uh, he would have made, I just know from experience, he would have made some of the more dignified people uncomfortable. Some people are too dignified for their own good. Amen. I just want to say this. I am getting closer to being done because that's like gravity. It just happens that way. It's scriptural to get excited about Jesus Christ. And I mean, anybody can tell you. I mean, you guys have uh, uh, sports teams that actually win up here, don't you? And uh, I'm from Ohio. So um, people go crazy over football games and basketball games and hockey games and baseball games and then sit in church like a bump on a log. Yeah. Amen? I don't get that. I don't understand that. Now, I've been excited about a lot of things in my life. I'm a Harley guy. Uh, people, I, I never was shy about that. Wore colors when I was in bike gangs. And, and uh, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation. Everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I thought, well, if I was not ashamed to let people know what I loved, what I cared about when I was lost, I'm not going to be now. Amen. Amen. Makes sense to me. It must not make sense to some people. Amen. It's sad. The charismatics have stole our shout. It's like the queer stole our rainbow. What is going on? Why are we letting people take everything from us? Are you allowed to say that? Oops, too late. Amen. <laughs> I mean, just, uh, I just think, think like this. If, if a person doesn't like praising God, doesn't want to get excited about seeing Jesus Christ work, I got a question. Why would you even want to go to heaven? My understanding is there's going to be a lot of that going on up there. Amen? That's why maybe why some Christians are so excited about that mansion. Maybe they just plan on staying home all the time like they do here. <laughs> Not me, man. <laughs> I hope they put an RV plug close to the throne because I want to be... I'm kidding about that. I want to be where the, where the action is. I heard a, I heard a uh, woman singing. I was going to sing a song. It was fine. And she goes, uh, uh, mansion over the hilltop. Is that what it is? And she said, this is my favorite hymn. And she sang it, and I get it. But I started thinking about that. I'm going, mansion over the hilltop is your favorite hymn? I can't even grasp that. You know, here's what I grasp. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. That's all I wrote down. That's all I know. But that's my favorite song. I want to see the Lord. Don't you? So in this account of this beggar that got more than he bargained for, you got the celebration of the saved. Now go back to verse 9 where we started. And it said, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now you know all about him. And it said, and they knew that it was he would set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. And now you know what happened. Verse 11. And as the lame man which was healed 
held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's. Look what it says. Greatly wondering. Greatly wondering. You know what that tells you? People notice when things change. Are you saved near tonight? Raise your hand if you are. Don't lie. I'm not leaving looking. But if you're saved, amen, then, uh, then uh, was there any change? The greatest change, the greatest witness in this world is a changed life. It's not religion, things like that. It's becoming a new creature in Christ. Amen? I threatened a group one time. I said, I'm going to go around the room. We're going to start in the front row, and I want you to take one minute and tell me where you were and how you got saved. And I said that, and people's eyes got about that big. <laughs> and everybody's scared to death I was going to do it. Amen. I didn't do it, and I'm not going to do it here. But I'm going to tell you what I worry about, I wonder about. I'm sincerely concerned that there's people in our churches, I mean our churches, I'm talking about King James Bible-believing churches, that couldn't give you a straight answer because there was never a time. And we know all the lingo, and we got it here, but I'm here to tell you tonight, you better get it here. Because here ain't going to get you across to the other side. Amen? As you're getting saved, now maybe you're real young, and I get that, but uh, uh, many of us weren't. Has you getting saved caused anybody to be filled with wonder and amazement? Amen. I understand sometimes family and the closest friends, they're, they'll, they freak out. It took me 20 years to get an open door to witness to the crowd I ran with. But we've won some to God now. Amen. Takes a while. I like to do it like this. I'll take the track and I'll say, uh, here, man, can I give you something to read what Jesus Christ did for me? And they'll take the track and they automatically put their finger over the good looking picture and they, and they go, that's you? And I go, yeah. And they go, what happened to you? And I think, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> that's what you want, an open door. Amen. Amen. Simple message tonight, camaraderie. Condition, condition of the sinner, camaraderie of the saints, confidence and in the Savior and celebration of the saved. One more thing, and this one isn't in uh, Acts 3, but it's the consequence of dying unsaved. If you're in here tonight and you've never been born again, you need to understand that Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15 says... And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Again, this isn't about religion. This isn't about joining church. This is about heaven and hell. Amen. Everybody's going to one or the other. And the determining factor is what you do with Jesus Christ. The Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Religion makes it all about a prayer. Prayer don't mean nothing. If you don't, can't grasp, if you can't comprehend that Jesus Christ died for 
you personally, knowing every detail of your life. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Boy, I'm glad I got in on this. If you never have, it'd be, a, it'd be the least we could do to open God's Word and show you how simple it is to get saved. If you're in here and you're not saved, you, it's time for you dead. Not for real, not to, for mommy and daddy. Not to get the heat off. Boy, I've seen people, oh, they're really, really in a lot of trouble, man. And then, oh, well, I never really meant it. Now I want to get saved. And as soon as you say that, then the heat's off. Everybody's so glad you got saved. But Listen, you can play games with your folks. You can play games with the preacher. You can fool me. I'm easy. But you ain't fooling God. And when you take your last breath, boy, you'll know then. If you don't get it between now and then, you'll know then. It just ain't a game. Amen. So I pray that tonight will be your night. If you need to get saved, and if you are, and I know many hands went up, I gave some things to think about, some things to chew on. I've done my part. But whether or not it has any effect, it doesn't depend on what I say. It depends on what you do with it. Let's all stand. The next five minutes is the most important of the entire service. What you do with the message. We say, oh God, we pray, God, please meet with us, please speak to us. All that. We say all that. And right now is where we find out whether you meant it. Because are you willing to do business with God?